You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Hello, Radiant Church. Wonderful to be with you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, which means I don't have to lack any good thing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And I love this part. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The wonderful 23rd Psalm. This Psalm has been spoken from memory, from battlefields, as well as basilicas. And it's one of these wonderful Psalms that that people love to go to in times of joy, when they're in crisis, when they don't know which way to go. And so I'd like to talk to you about this good shepherd that we have. Is that all right? In John's Gospel, John lays out his fourth and final Gospel in the Gospel record, and this is what he does. He, he strategically places seven instances where Jesus says, I am. They're known as the seven I am's of John's Gospel. I am the bread of life, John 6. I am the, the light of the world, John 8 and 9. I am the door, John 10, 7. I am the good shepherd, John 10, which we're going to be in today. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11. I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And I am the true vine, John 15. And when Jesus says, I am, he's hearkening back to when Moses was arguing with God at the burning bush. And Moses says, okay, you want me to go to Pharaoh to say, let my people go. I'm not sure if you've convinced me yet, but one thing I need to ask you, God, what if they say, what's his name? Who sent you? And God said, tell him my name is I am. I am that I am, which means I am the all-sufficient, ever-existent one. The Jews thought this was so holy, they would not speak it. They wrote the consonants Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. Theologians call this the Tetragrammaton, the very personal name for God. And it's interesting because Jesus says, I am, and then he uses anthropomorphic language to help us understand. Anthropomorphic is where you take uh, uh, features of humanity and things that we understand to help us understand the character and nature of God. So Jesus says, 
seven times in John, I am the good shepherd. Well, we understand that. And it helps us understand what God is like in human flesh walking among us. So, But I believe that of all these seven I am's, the statement that perhaps has brought most comfort and guidance and reassurance to God's people over these last 2,000 plus years of church history is when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I want you to look at this picture. Um, this picture struck me when I first saw it. And I want you to tell me, what is the very first thing you see that your eyes are drawn to when you see this picture? The sheep. Now, look at that sheep because it's like that sheep, you can almost read its mind. It's like, what am I doing here? There's no green grass to eat. How did I find, get myself into this situation? And what am I going to do? And the sheep has kind of got this dumb, lost look on his face saying, uh, Bah, where do I go? Okay, that's the first thing you see. What is the second thing you see when you look at this picture? Yes, aren't you thrilled that the good shepherd is behind rushing up to save the sheep? And this picture is parabolic of how we must understand the action of the good shepherd. You see, 20, the 23rd Psalm is written from a sheep-centric point of view. Think about it. The Lord is my shepherd, and here's all the wonderful things that I enjoy as the sheep because the Lord is my shepherd. What's amazing about the 23rd Psalm, it was written by a shepherd who knew how to bridge the idea of the fact that he was a shepherd yet a sheep at the same time. David who is an awesome shepherd. As a matter of fact, he was such a great shepherd for his dad, God pulled him from the sheepfold and made him the king of God's people, God's nation, the Jewish people. So Psalm 23 is sheep-centric. Where we're going to look today in John chapter 10, it's shepherd-centric. The 23rd Psalm tells us what it's like to be a sheep, but here in John 10, we're going to learn from Jesus what it's like and what he brings to the table as a good shepherd. You ready? All right, here we go. So that's why I love that, love that picture. You've, you've got to just soak in the reality of that. Uh, here's the reality. If we claim the fact that Jesus is the, our good shepherd. That implies that we are, oh, you're so smart. We are sheep. Now, we're not used to seeing sheep. Becky and I have traveled in Australia and New Zealand. There's plenty of sheep. As a matter of fact, in New Zealand, there's more sheep than people. Um, and, but around here, we're not used to interacting with sheep or, or knowing what shepherds really do. But I am told that sheep are prone to wander. Sheep are defenseless. Some would say they're dumb. They're skittish. They're dependent upon the shepherd for care and protection. And sheep need to be led if they are going to be well fed. Sheep need a shepherd. 
Now, if you think I'm being too rough on sheep, I want to tell you that the Bible reaffirms this reality. I just heard a sheep. Uh, Jesus said, when he saw the multitude, they were harassed and helpless. They were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then it says in Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, all we like sheep have gone astray, like sheep. So I want to show you a video that illustrates some of our kind of experience as sheep in God's fold. Why don't you play that video? Oh, I love that. As a matter of fact, I love it again. I think we should play it a second time. Don't you think we should just play it? I mean, it's only 15 seconds long. Let's play it a second time. Here's why I love this video. I see myself in it. How many times have I been, like, gotten myself stuck in a real stupid situation? And the good shepherd helps me out, and I said, thank you, Jesus. See ya. And I go and do my own thing and find myself in a worse predicament. I'll play it again. <laughs> I just can't get enough of that. All right, uh, open your Bibles to John chapter 10. I'm going to pick up reading in, in verse 1. This is where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And um, I'm going to share with you three commitments of our good shepherd that you can count on. Verse 1 says, truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own. He goes before them, and the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. The first commitment Jesus has to you is that the good shepherd will speak to us and lead us. Over our decades of pastoring, one of the most common questions I'm asked in the pastor's office is, Pastor, how can I know God's will for my life? Or how can I have God's direction for this important decision that I'm facing? And I've got good news for you. If you are a sheep, it's promised in the word that you will uniquely be able to hear and discern your shepherd's voice. So this is a great promise. 
And it first happened to you and to me the day we accepted Christ as our Savior. The day we repented of our sins and turned our lives over to Christ. The Bible calls it being born again in John chapter 3. The very first day you heard his voice was when you heard him say, Sonny, come to me for salvation. Repent and I will receive you. And when you said yes to the voice of the shepherd, that opened the door for you, get this, to hear the voice of the shepherd for the rest of your life. This is a great promise. It began the day you got saved, but it carries on every day. Every day you can hear the voice of the good shepherd. Did you know that? You can hear him in the Bible, the word of God. You hear the voice of the good shepherd through the still small voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You hear the voice of the good shepherd through the gifts of the Spirit speaking to you. Or through godly counsel, people who are mature in Christ speaking into your life. All these are ways that we can hear from God. But our good shepherd also knows us by name. Do you know how intimate Jesus is with us? He, when he calls your name, picture Jesus speaking your name. He knows you. Now this is amazing to me. He knows everything about me, and he loves me. <laughs> now that's kind of a dichotomy, isn't it? But that's the kind of shepherd you have. He knows you intimately by name. In verse 5, he says, A stranger they will not follow, they will flee from him. And I want to tell you that there are many voices out there. There are many voices saying, hey, come follow me. Get on this bandwagon. Here's a great cause. Uh, give your life to this. There's many voices that you hear. But I want you to know that there is one voice that you must hear. The voice of your good shepherd. I've seen good Christians go off the rails into one tangent or another because they've heard a different voice. Strangers calling them, come over here, define yourself around this cause, this emphasis, this doctrine even. Jesus is not glib, friends, about the dangerous environment in which he shepherds his flock. Did you notice in verse 1 he says, there's thieves, there's robbers. In verse 5 he says, there are strangers. I want you to know that amid all the din of these false voices, you can hone in on training your ear to hear the voice of your good shepherd. Scientists call this reticular activating system. Have you heard of it? Reticular activating system, RAS, is a bundle of nerves that sits on your brainstem, and its job is to regulate behavioral arousal. The RAS is able to control what incoming information or stimulus you're aware of so that you'll be motivated to behave in a certain way. 
This is kind of like a mom sitting on the edge of a playground with a hundred kids yelling and screaming and crying and running around and playing and having a great time. But as soon as their little darling yells, Mom! RAS kicks in and mom instinctively hears and knows that one voice out of the many. RAS is a gift from God to keep us from going crazy. Because we, have, we hear so many things, but our, our brain doesn't have to process everything we hear. It helps us to discern what is important. Let me tell you that spiritually you have been given RAS to the voice of the shepherd. When, when Jesus, your good shepherd, says, Tom, Jim, Sue, this is, the, this is my will and this is my direction for you. You have an RAS that filters out all of the things. And you know which voice is the loudest in all of that you're hearing? Your own opinion. You want, you want to know a secret? I'll throw this in for free. A secret to actually hearing the Holy Spirit give you God's direction is being willing to do the direction you hear. R-A-S, you have it. And this is a great promise. Isaiah 30, verses 20 through 21 say this. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. But this is a messianic prophecy. And your eyes shall see your teacher. Isn't that awesome? And your ears shall hear a, a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right or to the left. Isn't that a great image? Being able to be coached by Jesus, the good shepherd himself. And Jesus many times said, for he, he who has ears, let him hear. And in Revelation 2, 7, the risen Christ says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes or conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life in the paradise of God. Do you need divine guidance today? You've got a good shepherd. You can hear his voice. Do you know that you can hear his voice? This is the voice that Adam and Eve hid from and rejected. Our, our spiritual parents heard this voice, the voice of God as he was walking in, in the cool of the evening. And because they had just sinned, they hid themselves. They put on fig leaves and they hid in the bushes. And, and the voice of God called out, Adam, where are you? It was a spiritual question. And when Jesus comes onto the scene, he said, I'm going to restore what humanity lost in the garden, what humanity ran from in the garden, and I'm going to give you the gift of hearing my voice and following me. Isn't it beautiful that our Messiah, our Savior, pictures himself as a shepherd, a good shepherd. All right. The second commitment of our good shepherd is found in John 10, verses 11 through 13. Look at that with me. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand or a hireling 
and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Here's the second commitment of your good shepherd. Our good shepherd will fearlessly rescue you to the point of laying down his own life. Four times in this text, Jesus said, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Do you think he was trying to tell them something? See, being a shepherd was a rough and rugged job in biblical times. You were fighting off wild animals. You had long days and nights living in the wilderness. You were protecting the sheep from robbers, from predators, from animals who would want to, to, to attack them. Further, shepherds were lowly in society. They weren't paid well. This is why God sets his humor above everything else the first Christmas day when the Messiah is born to Mary and the angels go and announce it to who? Shepherds. And the shepherd said, this is an amazing thing that's been shown to us. Let us rush into Bethlehem and find the sign that this child will be laying in a manger wrapped in cloths. To shepherds. Did you know that the Greek construct with, that Jesus used with the preceding adjective good before shepherd sets a tone about how the original language, and I believe Jesus speaking in Aramaic, actually said this. And it has this tone, inflection. I am the shepherd, the good one. It's like he emphasizes that among all the shepherds, he is an outstanding one. And the idea behind the word, the good shepherd, is I am the excellent one. I am the shepherd, the winsome one. I am the shepherd, the attractive one. I am the shepherd, the beautiful one. He's making a clear distinction between himself and the other wicked, self-serving religious leaders of his day. It's no mistake why the Greek word poimen, which is shepherd, is also translated pastor. Did you know that? 17 times it's translated shepherd, and, and one time it's translated pastor, Ephesians 4.11. And it behooves every pastor that Jesus calls and sets apart, calls to ministry, every pastor, to look at the good shepherd and say, I want to be just like him. You know, Becky and I have the privilege of pastoring pastors. We believe that pastors have probably one of the most difficult jobs on the planet. Um, there is not only the stresses of ministry and, and uh, taking care of people, marrying, burying, being with people in their emotional highs and their emotional lows, counseling people in crisis, leading people to salvation, raising a, you know, a large amount of money to build a building and have a vision to do so, saying yes to the call of God. And then on top of that, the spiritual warfare that is unique. Because Satan's strategy is this. 
strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's a strategy. You know what I don't understand? Is that when a, a pastor does not model the good shepherd that we're talking about, when a pastor is more self-serving and acts like a hireling, did you see that in the text where Jesus says, I am not like a hireling that when a wolf comes, screams like a little girl, and runs off leaving the sheep to be devoured. I'm not that kind of shepherd. You know what makes me want to punch pastors in the nose? Ah, <laughs> oh, forget it. You don't want to know. I'll tell you what, I love pastors. But, and, and I say, you know, sometimes I'm talking pastors off the ledge. Other times I'm pushing them off the ledge, um, depending on what the, the Lord requires. But here, here's the beauty of it. When, when pastors model self-sacrifice, laying their life down for the flock, the Apostle Paul said it this way, life is at work in you, but death is at work in me. Pastor Marco, they didn't teach me that in Bible college. <laughs> and when pastors enter the ministry for self-serving ends, it nauseates me. When they don't model self-sacrifice. And I'm not talking about, you know, get burnt out and die for Jesus and, and all of that. I'm talking about, let me tell you a story. There was a pastor a few years ago who called me and said, Sonny, I'm burnt out, discouraged. My building is non-functional for where we're at. And I want to, I, I just am fed up with pastoring this church. And uh, I've also got a sweetheart offer to be on staff at a mega church and with great pay, great benefits, and be an associate on staff. It, it, you know, and I would be part of this denominational group over there. And I said, well, I will pray with you that you hear the voice of the good shepherd and only do what he says. We prayed about it. He said, I went away. I got the word of the Lord. I am to stay in this difficult church situation. I said, I think you heard from God. And there's a reason he's asking you to stay. Guess what? Within that year, God brought them into a new building that is absolutely beautiful. And God has poured out revival among them. Young people are filling the place. And he is more fruitful and more joyful in ministry than ever before. Why? Because he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. And you've got a pastor here, Pastor Marco and Carrie that is willing to lead like that. And I'm not just saying that because I'm here. Six or so years ago, when God called you to pastor this church, you weren't necessarily too thrilled about the idea at first. Let's be honest. The very act of them saying yes and moving to Bay City with nothing was him laying down his life for y'all. 
before he even knew any of you, there was a self-sacrificial act that you had to make, Pastor Marco, to even say yes to coming here. And you know what? I know your story. There's been a lot of laying down of your life so that this flock can be well-led, well-fed, and protected. And I honor you and Carrie for being pastors that model John chapter 10, good shepherd qualities. And I believe that this building project is more than a building project. I'm just going to prophesy to your church right now. Why does God want you to add on to this building, both in kids' space and in the sanctuary? Because it's a bigger sheep pen. You're full. First service was full. You're full here. Do you know what... What is it going to be like when the Lord doubles the number of sheep here? Hello! I believe that's your future. At least double what you're seeing now and then some. And so what a good shepherd does is a good shepherd hears the heart of the, the, you know, the great shepherd and follows that even if it's sacrificial. Because you know what? Second to planting a church, which you did, being a pastor is hard, but planting a church is even harder. The second thing that's hard is when a pastor undertakes a building campaign. You you've did one to get into this building. Now you're getting ready in a couple years now to do it all over again. Let me tell you, it's not for his ego. It's for the advancement of the kingdom of God in this area to make it hard for people to go to hell, for people to come and meet the good shepherd right here and to be well-led and well-fed, well-protected. And God's got a great purpose and destiny for this house, Radiant Bay City. You're saying, well, you're just saying that because you're here. No, I'm saying it because the Lord... Put that on my heart. You just need to know. Your, your pastor is doing a great job. Is it stressful? Yeah. But you know what? Every pastor who joins Radiant Network gets a red phone. And you pick it up. And you can call me. You can call Pastor Lee. And you're not out here doing ministry alone. And one of the beautiful things about the network is he's got great friends who are pastors who are encouraging him there's no competition but it's like colleagues cheering one another on and so this is what the apostle paul said to to the elders at, at ephesus now keep in mind and i'm about to read from acts 20 this is the work of of elders and and local church pastors acts 20 where Paul pastored this church in Ephesus for three years. He stayed longer in Ephesus than any other church that he planted. And his farewell address to the elders was this coaching advice. Pick it up at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves 
and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. You see the the shepherd um, illustration? And even from your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to drop away disciples after them. That was Paul speaking to a great church leadership team in the first century, and it still rings true today. Watch yourself, watch your teaching and your doctrine, and care for, oversee, care for the flock, because there are twisted people saying twisted things. Do you know that every shepherd is given a rod and a staff? You remember when we read that in, in uh, Psalm 23? Your rod and your staff, they what? Why does the rod and staff bring comfort? Because the rod is protection. It's, the rod was like two and a half feet long, made of hardwood with a knob on the end of it like this. And so the shepherd could club a wolf and kill it. David said he killed a lion and a bear protecting the flock. The rod is protection. The staff is is. Uh, rescuing. It's got that, 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 that shepherd's crook on the top of it that can reach in and pull you by the belly when you get into the, the, you know, the, the mud or when you get into the brambles, a good shepherd will pull you out. So the rod and the staff bring great comfort. And so I found that American sheep are hard to pastor because we're strongly independent and defiant. We really are. And so when the shepherd, being a good shepherd, nudges you a little bit with his staff, say, hey, move over this way. Slight loving correction that way. We get offended and go to the church down the street because pastor nudged me with his staff. (laughs) He's just loving you. He's doing, he's not abusing you. But it's, I want to just say something about the American mentality of being a sheep. Because a lot of times they kind of fight against one another. We want, you know, we want protection, we want well-fed, but we don't want correction. Friend, a good shepherd has to have a rod and a staff in your life. Can I hear an amen in the house? All right. What is the third thing that that we see uh, Jesus do? He's promising this. Uh, Look at verse 14 through 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as my fathers know me and I know my father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. There it is again. And get ready. He's about to blow the minds of his disciples and all the Jewish leaders around him. And I have, what's it say? Hmm. What What does that mean? I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Let me add, the Jewish fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Friends, most of us in this room are Gentiles. 
If you're Jewish or partly Jewish, I celebrate your Jewish history but, and, and, and all the, your Jewish blood and all of that. But I want to tell you, as a Gentile, I am so glad that Jesus said that there's other sheep. Jesus was saying, I am saving, I'm beginning with the Jews, but my flock is not just going to be here in, in Palestine. My flock is going to be around the world to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. And that's why it was so powerful when the Apostle Paul came on the scene, a, a, a Hebrew of Hebrews, and God called him to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And that gospel has spread all over the world. And it is to the other sheep. And I think it's so beautiful. But it really shouldn't surprise us because the nature of God's kingdom is that it's an ever-increasing kingdom. Of, of the increase in the, of his government and peace, there will be no end. And when God gave the initial promise in Genesis 12 to the first Jew, who was the first Jew? Pop quiz in church. Who was the first Jew? Well, let's, uh, no, actually. The first Jew was Abraham. So it was... It was the father of the Jews, the, as a people, who God called. I, I gave you that little pop quiz because when, when I was a young pastor getting uh, my eye exam, the optometrist was a Jewish guy, and he, when he learned I was a pastor, he, he threw that same question at me. He says, okay, now I'm going to stump this young, young um, uh, Gentile pastor. And he said, who's the first Jew? And I said, without, without hesitation, well, it's Abraham. And he, he just like fell back in his chair. How did you know that? Let me just tell you, the first Jew, Abraham, was told that he would be the father of many nations and that all the people of the world, even the Gentiles, would be blessed through him. And so Jesus was unpacking this. And here's the point. Number three, the heart of our good shepherd is for the other sheep to be added to his flock. And I just love this stunning statement. And I'm so glad that I'm one of his other sheep. And you are too. See, Jesus is relentless in his redemption. Both for your salvation as well as for your sanctification. God's not willing for any to perish, but for all to find eternal life in Jesus Christ. That's why when Jesus told this great parable in John chapter 15, he says, all of heaven rejoices out of one sheep. That is, I'm willing to leave the 99 and go after that one sheep and save them. And so I want to just conclude by showing you this picture one more time. I want you to see yourself in that as a sheep needing rescued. The second thing I'm going to ask you to really meditate on is the activity of the Good Shepherd in your life. Come on, make it personal. You and I were lost in a mud hole. And thank God there was a good shepherd who, who came running after us. And he promises, you will hear my voice and I will lead you. And then he says, I will protect you. I will not be a hireling. I will stand between you and the enemy and I will lay down my life to save you. And then he says, 
I hope you live with your arms open because I've got a lot of other people that I'm going to bring into this sheepfold. I want you to see yourself there. And then I want you to see your good shepherd. I'm going to end with this last scripture from Hebrews because this is amazing. The writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 20, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. Did you see that? Jesus had been calling himself the good shepherd, willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Now, post-resurrection, the writer of Hebrews calls him the great shepherd. I think Jesus just got an upgrade. You know when you become great is after you're willing to go to the cross and surrender all and on the other side be resurrected. And Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep and he ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever. Maybe you're here and you just need to come back to the shepherd. Maybe you're like that sheep who has wandered off. Maybe you once knew what it was like to hang out near the shepherd and graze at that on the wonderful green grass. But some things have happened in your life and you've made some bad decisions that have taken you far afield. I've got good news for you. The good shepherd is relentless in pursuing you. He is that kind of good shepherd that leaves the 99 to come after you. And so maybe you find yourself in church today, but your heart has wandered. Your life has wandered. And today I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer to say, Jesus, bring me back close to your heart. I have been a wandering sheep, and I need to come back home. But I also want to pray for another type of person that's here. And that person who says, I don't know if I'm really right with God. I honestly can't tell you that I'm a sheep in God's fold. Today is your day of salvation. Today is the day you can make a spiritual decision to say, I turn my life, I turn away from sin and I turn toward God. Jesus, forgive me for my waywardness, my rebellion, my deception, my sin. Forgive me and wash me in the blood of Christ and bring me into your fold and into your family. The Bible calls it being born again because it's a new beginning. And I would love to have the honor of praying for you if you would like to take that step into the fold of God. So let's all stand together, please. And prayer team members, would you come forward as we stand? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you're like that, the wayward sheep that needs to come back, I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself as I pray over you. And I'm going to ask you to do something very simple, to take your hand and put it on your heart. If you are a wayward sheep and you're going to pray for yourself, let's all bow in prayer. Those of you who are coming back to the Good Shepherd, just 
Put your own hand on your own heart. Lord, you see us. Here we are. Now, Lord, I would ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would take this soul out of the mud pit, out of the brambles, out of being lost in the woods. And good shepherd, would you put the shepherd's crook around us and pull us back to where we need to be? We repent, we repent of our waywardness. Break the power of sin in our life and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for leaving the 99 today to come get me. In Jesus' name. It's a beautiful thing. Now I want to pray for those of you who are here who need to come to salvation. And I simply want to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you because this is a faith action between you and God. And if you're ready, if you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you to get right with God today, don't leave this building without getting right with God. And I'd like to lead you in that prayer. So while we're all praying, I'm going to look around the room. If you're saying, Sonny, pray for me, I'm going to ask you in just a second to slip up your hand so that I can know that you're there and your hand is not only being raised so I can see it, but the Lord is going to see it, okay? So right now, wherever you're at, well, in this holy moment, Sonny, pray for me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. Just slip up your hand wherever you're at. In the back, yes, yes. Yes, sir. Over here, yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Yes, ma'am, I see your hand. Who else? A couple over here, husband and wife. Yes. Young lady over there. People are doing business with God. Now, I'm going to lead you in prayer. And church family, I'm going to ask you to pray this out loud with me. All right, let's pray this out loud, especially those of you who raised a hand. Heavenly Father, I thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus. I receive him as my Savior and my Lord. He will be my good shepherd. Forgive me of my sin. I repent of my waywardness and I turn toward you. Bring me into your family and save my soul. I thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, let's rejoice. Today is your spiritual birthday.